Hello, and welcome to another episode of In the End, a Morbidly Curious podcast. I'm your co-host, Emma Hitchcock. And I'm Tara Ingman. And we haven't done a, a morbid mystery in a while. Yeah, it's true. Not since Christmas. So I thought we I could bring you a tale of murder and death and grief and sorrow. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> um... And so today I thought we could do uh, the, the Keddy Cabin murders. Okay. Is this the one with Tina? Because that's the only thing I remember about yes. that murder <laughs> mystery. Yes. The one where we heard about it and we were both like, pause. <laughs> what about Tina? Why are we not talking about Tina? <laughs> right. That was the most salient detail that I retained from that story. But that's fine. What about I, Tina? <laughs> I have some answers for you okay fine that's good uh, <laughs> excellent but let's let's set the scene here okay yeah so april 11th 1981 hmm okay so like people are watching dallas and the jeffersons <laughs> and mash right <laughs> oh, and mash. <laughs> they're listening to hall and oats and the police <laughs> and sheena easton's nine to five is like in the top 10 charts Nice, nice. It's the Uber 80s, guys. <laughs> and um, 36-year-old Sue Sharp um, is living in Cabin 28 in Keddy, uh, California, just like Northern California. And she had moved there from Connecticut after separating from her abusive husband, James. So she had been okay. in Connecticut. She moved to Northern California because she had a brother there and then moved huh. out of, I think, his apartment or the first apartment, and moved into this, like, three-bedroom cabin in the woods. Um, there's... <laughs> okay. <laughs> always a good start. Um, right. <laughs> it's kind of like a... Like a subdivision kind of thing. Not like a... Not like a camp cabin situation where they're all, like, oh. super close together, but it's more like actual right. houses that people live in. That just happen to be cabins? Okay. Right. Instead of, like, house houses? Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so she moves there with her five children. There's John, who's 15, Sheila, who's 14, Tina, who's 12, Rick, 10, and Greg, who's five. Hmm. So it's like six people in a reasonably <laughs> <Okay>. small cabin. <laughs> right. Woods. Um, so on April 11th, uh, around 3.30 p.m., um, John and his friend who lived in the area, Dana, Again, John's 15, Dana's 17. Um, they hitchhiked to neighbor, like a nearby town called Quincy to go to a party. Hmm. Okay, so, sure. Hitchhiking is a thing people actually used to do without fear of being murdered. So Right, it's 1981. It's fine. Right. Like that, That's not as uh, insane as it would be today. Yeah. Um, Sheila, the 14-year-old, um, is having a sleepover at the Seabolt home, which is cabin 27, which is about 15 feet away from cabin hmm. 28 okay so like the next door neighbor but next not door. super close yeah right and so sue is home with tina 12 rick who's 10 um mm -hmm. rick's friend justin smart who's 12 and the five-year-old greg like they're all home that hmm. night it's a saturday night in case you're curious <laughs> um and to sort of orient you in space in this cabin so mm-hmm the younger boys shared a bedroom that was in the front, right next to the living room. Um, huh. Okay. 
the older son, John, lived, there was like a partial basement, like an unfinished part, hmm. and he, that was where his bedroom was, like that was the space he claimed, but there's right. no stairway directly down there, so he would have to come up, be outside, and come around the house too. Huh, so it had like a separate entrance, entrance and no like indoor connection so he could really come and go as he pleased without (laughs) necessarily being detected okay cool right (laughs) um but also like bathrooms are nice so that's (laughs) right yeah (laughs) the girls um sheila and tina shared a rear bedroom that was opposite the kitchen so it's like the back of the cabin Hmm. um and sue sometimes slept either in that room or on a pull-out couch in the living room depending on who was home or what was happening. Right. So that's like how Saturday goes. Like the boys go off to a party and Sheila's at a sleepover and Sue's home with the kids. And uh, at 7.45 a.m. the next morning, Sunday, (laughs) April 12th, 7.45, Sheila returns to the cabin to retrieve some clothes to go to church with the Seabolts. Like the Seabolts were like, do you want to come to church? She's like, great, let me go get something nice to wear. Yeah. She opens the door to the cabin the curtains are closed and all the lights are off. And when she turns the lights on, what she finds are three dead bodies on the floor in a cabin covered in blood. Awesome. <laughs> and she's like, nope. And shuts the door and runs back to the Seabolts. <laughs> uh, that seems fair. like a legitimate reaction. Yes. <laughs> she does report like later. She says it takes her like she stands there for a second. It takes her brain a minute. Right, of course. To like register what she's looking at. Yeah, and she's like, of course. Nope. Yeah. So she goes back to the Seabolts, and Mrs. Seabolt and her go to, like, the Seabolts didn't have a functional te- uh, telephone, so they have mm-hmm. to go to the landlord's cabin to use the phone to mm-hmm. call the police. Right. Um, as soon as the police are called, Mr. Seabolt and his son um, go back to the cabin and, like, knock on the window to the boys' room hmm. to be like, hey, guys. Alive in there or also murdered. Yeah. And all three boys. So it's the friend, Uh Justin Smart, and the the two two boys. Totally fine. And Mr. Seabolt is like, let's get you through this window rather than have them come through the main. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's a good call. Murder living room. So they they take them out the window and they get them to safety. (laughs) And then... Mr. Seabolt goes around the back of the cabin to the door, which is hmm. left ajar. I don't know how open, but it was open. Hmm. Okay. Um, to see if there's any other survivors. He doesn't find anybody. He goes home. Mm-hmm. When the police arrive, um, Justin Smart will claim that he told them that Tina was missing. Because Tina should have been home as well. Hmm. Right. But this information doesn't register they don't believe him they don't hear him whatever so Mm. they don't realize tina is missing for like several hours after they've arrived like they don't realize that there is that we're like a kid short here right they don't realize they're supposed to be a tina so they don't (laughs) right so they don't realize that yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um i i will give a graphic content warning which for us we usually reserve but um right this is pretty gross and if you don't feel the need to to know the nitty-gritty details of how these people were murdered i would skip ahead a few minutes 
It's fine. Fair. Yeah. Um, but the police arrive. There's no sign of forced entry. So it doesn't look like anybody broke in. Okay. Closest to the front door is the body of John, um, mm-hmm. the oldest son. And yeah. he's face up on the floor with his wrists bound with medical tape. Hmm. Like the, okay. like the fabric medical yeah, tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and his ankles are wrapped and knotted with an extension cord that came from inside the cabin. Huh. Okay, so he was tied up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they will say that the medical tape didn't come from cabin, this cabin. Hmm. Um, so just, it was presumably brought with the murderer. Right. That's the assumption okay. there. The cord that's like used to tie John's ankles also is used to wrap around Dana's ankles. So Dana's the friend, the 17 year old friend that was there. Uh, right. That cord like is wrapped around John's leg and then pulled tight Stretched over, over. Yeah. to wrap around um, Dana's ankles, which also had remnants of broken medical tape on it, which would suggest they like tried to mm. use tape. <laughs> yeah. Dana was like, and that no, didn't thank work. You. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they grabbed an extension cord. Um, he also had broken tape around his wrists. Hmm. Um, Sue's wrists and ankles are also bound with medical tape. And then there's an electrical cord that's over, that's like wrapped around her wrist and then pulled tight down and looped around her ankles. So she's like. Right. So like both her wrists and ankles are bound and then they are bound together. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, like. Isn't that called hog tying, I want to say? That, like... Oh, no. Yeah. I haven't tied a hog in a while, so I... <laughs> right. <laughs> um, she's also gagged. And she's hmm. gagged with a bandana and her own underwear. So when they nice, f- find her, she's nude from the waist down, but there are no signs of sexual assault. Just... Okay. Like, interesting. Then the fact. Which, to me, would suggest... They were maybe headed in that direction and got interrupted. For sure. Yeah. Um, so Sue and John had their throats slit. Dana, hmm. Dana was manually strangled. Huh. Okay. All of them showed signs of blunt force trauma and all of them had stab wounds. Hmm. So like beaten and stabbed. Tied up beaten, and then stabbed, throat slit, strangled. Right. Okay. That's a a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There is reportedly blood, like, everywhere. Everywhere, I would imagine. (laughs) Yeah. All over the living room, on door handles, on the banister. Um, Yeah. There is some blood found in the back bedroom, like Tina and... Hmm. um, Sheila's bedroom? Sheila slash Sue's bedroom. Um, But it doesn't appear that anyone was actually, like, murdered there. So I don't know what... Hmm. I don't know if it's trace or if it's smears or what, but there is some Hmm. um, weapons found in the cabin. There's two knives. There's a bent steak knife. And and you're like, whatever, I've bent a steak knife regularly. No, it was bent like in half. Like when they first saw it, they thought it was like a (laughs) jackknife that Ah. was like partially (laughs) open. Right. Okay. (laughs) There's a bloody butcher knife also Mm -hmm. there. Um, there's a hammer covered in blood. The 
trauma that they record from the autopsy would suggest um, that they also use the butt of like a BB gun or a rifle or something. Mm, right. But that isn't found in the cabin. But also okay. for the wounds, it looks like there were two different hammers used. Hmm. So they only and find... one of them then was left there, and the other one question mark yeah right was not left there okay yeah um it looks like from the autopsies that they died from knife wounds and blunt force trauma as opposed to being strangled and having their throats slit which would suggest Hmm. they were already unconscious when they decided like yeah let's just make super sure (laughs) right um so that's it's the cabin is messy. I mean, it's not just covered right. in blood, but, like, stuff is overturned. The couch cushions are ripped off the couch. Like, hmm. this is absolute bedlam. Yeah. Like, clearly a massive struggle took right. place here. Yeah. But all three victims do appear to have been murdered in the living room. So it's, okay. like, they weren't murdered outside and dragged in or whatever. Right, but it right, does right. look like the bodies were were moved after death Hmm. but they weren't moved Hmm. to like hide them i don't know what they were doing but they just like shuffled them around a bit (laughs) dragged them into the center of the room or whatever yeah (laughs) okay sure (laughs) so that's what the police find when they arrive which i imagine is upsetting um for sure yeah like i said justin claims that he told the police that tina was missing but it takes them a while to figure that out but as soon as they realize she's missing they like they do actually start searching. The FBI gets involved. Hmm. They do a grid search um, mm-hmm. in a five-mile radius around the cabin. Okay. They don't find anything. The end. Um, right. <laughs> Which, when we originally heard about this, immediately <laughs> led to us spending the rest of the evening being like, but what about Tina? <laughs> right. Why are we not talking about Tina? Where is Tina? <laughs> I'm very concerned. Because, like... The other three are dead, and, like, it seems like they died terribly, very sad. But they're dead. But, like, Tina is just missing, so I'm very concerned about her. <laughs> right. Um, when they interview the boys, it seems like, depending on the sources that you look at, a lot of people will tell you, like, it seems like all three boys slept through the night, mm. heard, heard nothing. <laughs> what? <laughs> What? No. The boys are 10 and 5. And how old is the friend? 12. Huh. See, the 5-year-old, I can maybe believe. Kids can sleep hard. I can maybe believe that. But, like, the 10 and 12-year-old, I don't know. But also all three of them sleep in their yeah. family. So yeah. some sources will say they all slept through the night. However, Justin Smart when interviewed by the police, says he has a super weird dream that night. Hmm. Right. That he was on a boat and he saw Sue with two men and they murdered her and he went over to inspect (laughs) the wound and then he went back to bed. Weird dream, right? Right. Um, Crazy coincidence. (laughs) In said dream, he lists details they wouldn't have seen because they were removed from the house from the window. So he mentioned Uh. some things. Later, he comes back and is like, you know what? Actually, I've been doing some thinking, and I think I may have witnessed a murder. (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) Um, So they get uh, 
descriptions of the two men from Justin, hmm. um, which don't seem to match anyone involved in the case. But people who look at this will like reshuffle features, right? And when they reshuffle features, they're like, "We think we know who this is," but whatever. But so yeah. You can make those sort of things look like if you already have like a couple of suspects in right. mind, and especially then if you're like swapping suspect A's eyes with suspect B's mouth, you can like make those drawings look like whatever you want. Honestly, right. you know. Right. <laughs> um, but so that you know would suggest that Justin did in fact see something, and I can see how. Right, but he's twelve, and like totally traumatized yeah that's like, overwhelming and also yeah. like i don't know it's the middle of the night if you're woken up you hear something you think i'm dreaming yeah. or i'm yeah. you know whatever so you like groggily get out of bed and open the door to, <laughs> to that literally like, a scene out of a horror movie and like you're 12 years old like even now if when i wake up in the middle of the night in the morning i can like often barely remember it and you're like was that a dream was that real like I thought I heard, you know and especially if you're at that age and something that traumatizing like I get it yeah. it's fine under hypnosis later he would say that he saw Tina come out of her bedroom into the middle of this hmm. right. uh, because ra- presumably she would also have been woken up right um wrapped in a blanket and hmm. sees her kidnapped sees her taken hmm okay Police question this simply because of, like, the angle of the bedroom door. So unless... Uh, right. Like, he wouldn't probably have been able to see that, so it could just be pieced yeah, together yeah. Yeah. from other info he's heard. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but what about other neighbors, you ask? Because there are, like, seven <laughs> people in this cabin. Right. <laughs> Three of them are being murdered. Gruesomely. Right. Yeah, and their neighbors are 15 feet away. The Seabolts like, One are f- would assume that they heard something. Away. Pretty much everybody is like, nope, didn't hear anything, <laughs> didn't see anything. There are some neighbors, I don't know which cabin they were in, and I don't know how far away they would have been. Um, hmm. But there are neighbors that report around 1.30 that hmm. they thought they heard screaming, but it woke them okay. up, and they weren't right. sure, and so they just yeah. went back to bed. Which, like... Yeah. I'll read in a lot of places. People are like, what assholes? And I'm like, no. Like, if I'm half no. asleep, mm-hmm. I don't know if I heard it in my dream or in reality yeah. or what it yeah. was. Yeah. And if both of you get woken up by it, but neither of you, because you're mm-hmm. unconscious, are sure what you heard. Like, I get it. I Yeah, I, I get that. Totally. So, And I'm also, like, in the middle of the woods and the middle of the night. I'm not going to go, like, check it out. You know? Like... Oh, for sure. (laughs) I'm going to be like, I was probably dreaming. That seems like the most reasonable conclusion rather than someone, one of my neighbors are being brutally murdered. So like, like, I'm just going to go back to sleep. If you think you hear screaming, like, have you ever heard some owls? Right. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things it could be. So, but they put the time at around 1.30. Right, right. And then, so the question is like, John and Dana were at a party. And Mm -hmm. then they're found dead in the living room. So they asked people at the party, like, friends. When did uh, they leave? When did they leave? Sometime between 10 and 1.30 in the morning. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's helpful. (laughs) Um, But they were... (laughs) Teenagers. Right. What can you do? (laughs) But they report that they did. They hitchhiked 
back home. Hmm. Like they didn't get a ride from friends. They hitchhiked. Right. Um, and arrive at some point. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the middle of the night. Who knows? <laughs> so they don't really have um, great suspects for this. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to give, I'm going to give the, the Tina closure that I know you've been craving. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, and then we can talk about all the suspects in the case. We can kind of go through that. So I can give you more details okay. about um, the investigation. There aren't a ton of great resources on like the actual mm-hmm. procedures of this investigation. So I'll do the best I can, but just keep that in mind. Um, so we'll mostly talk about suspects and how likely they are on a spectrum. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so that was uh, April. Like they find the bodies April 12th, 1981. On April 22nd, 1984, in the woods. So three years and like a, and a bit, couple week weeks. and a half later. Yeah. Um, in the woods near Feather Falls in Butte County, which is the next county <laughs> over. It's hmm. about 60 miles away from the Keddie Cabins. Um, a man finds what looks like bone or like a skull or something. And he's like, I should maybe tell the authorities about this. (laughs) Good call. (laughs) So the police go to where this man is like, think I found a thing. And they recover the cranium and the mandible um, of a human, of a small human. Um, They also find a, a children's blanket, a blue nylon jacket, a pair of Levi's jeans. Um, Hmm. And an empty surgical tape dispenser. Hmm. Okay. So there's that. Yeah. But it's three years <laughs> later and they're just like. But no other bones? Just like pile of clothes and, and okay. a head. Wait. Premature. All right. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> so it wasn't originally linked to the, the Keddy Cabin murders until like this discovery makes the news. Right. After it's like. It, mysterious skull found in park yeah (laughs) in remote area of park and so it makes the news and the police get an anonymous phone call from a dude Hmm. who's like hey that sounds like it might be tina sharp just so you know just in case you're curious (laughs) might be tina sharp you know that girl who was murdered like three years ago it's probably her um and so the police go back and they search the area and they find the rest of her remains um Which are just bone at that point. Um, hmm. But the forensic pathologist is able to identify that the remains belong to Tina Sharp in like June okay. of that year. Um, and from the state of the remains, it looks like she was murdered the same night and her body was huh. just dumped there with the evidence. So like, okay. when... that actually makes me feel a lot better. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Our major concern was that like Tina was trapped in a basement somewhere for like ever. For three years. Yeah. <laughs> or any length of time. But like the right. evidence would suggest that, nope, she was murdered the same night, either on location okay. or off location, but her body was right. dumped there yeah. with what looks to be evidence, you know, like her jacket's there. Yeah. Her blanket, but also like, and the tape dispenser. tape dispenser in particular yeah <laughs> hmm. so, so that i yeah i like not that i want a 12 year old to be murdered but i'd rather she be murdered than like sexually abused right. in a basement somewhere by like uh-huh psychopath for sure so. for sure 
Okay, yeah, no, that that makes me feel a lot better. Good. I'm glad that we know that. (laughs) (laughs) So how... How, maybe you don't know the answer to this. How wide of an area are we talking about here? When we say her remains, are they like... I have no so information are these, on... Okay. I'm wondering if like she... Like if her head was chopped off and so her head is one place. Right. Was she dismembered by the killer or killers? Or is this like animals scavenging? They just like dump her in the woods and then animals like, you know as they do disperse the body across like you know like these sorts of things and how do her clothes like end up in a pile but the rest of her remains are elsewhere like how elsewhere are we talking here i'm i'm not sure so i'm not sure if it's like i don't know like they just found the skull and then like right next to it in a moldy pile is this other stuff and then like they were like well job done and then they come back later and like oh actually the rest of her is right here um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Or if it was scattered, which yeah, if, yeah. if there's been a body out in the woods long enough, yes, animals are going to scavenge. Stuff gets dragged around. For sure. Especially if she wasn't buried at all. If they just like dumped her. Yeah. 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 So even if she is buried, even if, like, right. if the grave is relatively shallow, like, yeah, yeah animals are going to dig that up. But like animals aren't going to undress her. Correct. You know, like <laughs> the clothes are unlikely to be in a pile if animals have been like scavenging some body. Very tidy coyotes <laughs> out there. Right. I'll just remove this jacket and Unzip. leave it right here take next off, to the head. Fold it up. And then I will take this hand and take it over and eat it. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know. That just obviously we don't know enough details about it, but it suggests to me that she may have been like undressed and then I don't know buried in a shallow grave or like dumped because it's the middle of nowhere and like nobody's gonna see it or something yeah I mean also like the clothing that they find um it's like it's a jacket and jeans right so like but it's the middle of the night so it could have been stuff they grabbed they yeah were like yeah come with us little girl and they just like grabbed it right out and she was like in her nightgown or something true true yeah. Or she grabbed them and was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I guess I'm Yeah, yeah, going. true, yeah. Which, if that's the case, and, like, this is all speculation, clearly, um, but if that's the case, if, if she, like, willingly went with them, and mm-hmm. then it would be people she knew. Right, right. Um, yeah, you're right. She was unlikely at, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning, one thirty, to be wearing, like, a coat and jeans. So either she got dressed or yes she or someone else like grabbed Grabbed clothes on the way out right in which case when they dump the body they just like dump the extra clothes next to it and like leave you know right yeah that makes sense but i yeah that it's so then you have like a a question of the timing on this did they take her out and like put her in the truck right um and she sat in the truck and listened to her family, to her murder? family be murdered. Yeah. <laughs> or she walked in the middle of this and they were like, that seems hey, more likely. Yeah. <laughs> fun, fun thing. We're going to go for a quick road trip. And she was like, yeah, okay, I guess. And like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, in a weird way, I would like to believe that they like 
Because I think it's rather evident that it was at least two, if not more people involved in this. Right. It seems like there are multiple people involved with um, like the two knives and the multiple like hammers and and subduing like, these three people three, in one like, room. Yeah. Like nearly adult people. Yeah. 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 Um, I'd like to believe that they were like, come with us, Tina, and like put her in the truck and like turned it on. So she was like listening to music. <laughs> yeah. And then went inside and murdered everybody. Yeah. And then they went inside and murdered everybody. And then they came back and just like, I don't know, clubbed her over the head or something like something yeah, not yeah. sadistic and weird and awful and then dumped her body. Right. I have no evidence to support that narrative. <laughs> no. I just like it better. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of envisioning like she wakes up and walks in and they maybe like hit her over the head to knock her out you know and, and just, then but like why put her in the her? truck i don't know i don't know well i mean no good reason <laughs> and then like she dies from the wound, the wound. like there are there the are some or something like that theories you know? uh there are some theories actually as to why they take tina depending on who, who you think did, think it. did yeah. it. So let's look at some of the suspects in this. I don't know about you, but my first question is always, where's, where's the husband? Yes, where is her <laughs> yes. particularly abusive ex-husband? Right. right. Um, he's in Connecticut at the time. Huh, There's okay. plenty okay. of evidence yeah. that he was there. So it's it's not her ex-husband. It would be so much easier if it were, but it is not. <laughs> so the next thought is that the person who gave the boys a ride home from the party Right. Person or persons. Followed um, them in and murdered them. Followed yeah. them into the cabin and murdered them. But, like, didn't steal anything. Just murdered them and left. Um, yeah. They search for a while. And the person, a single individual who is unnamed, uh, does come forward and say they gave the kids the ride home. But um, huh. dropped okay. them off at the front gate. Like, didn't mm. even drive into the complex. It was like, nope. Yeah. I just... And they didn't come forward earlier because they heard about the murders and they were like, they are for sure going to think I did this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is 100% fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they do... They end up clearing this person. Of this person. Okay. So yeah. It's not the person who gave. Um, then there's uh, Ronald Padrini, who's the guy who found the skull. And people have some questions. Mm. Um, yeah. It's an incredibly remote area that, like, even hikers didn't usually go to where he finds mm. this. Right. Um, but from, and, like, people find the timing, like, they're like, oh, it's the anniversary. And it's like, it's not, though. It's, like, the anniversary yeah. and the couple of weeks. Like, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it does appear that he just was out, like, he collected bottles. Like, that's what he was out mm. there doing. So he was like. Okay searching for some bottles and junk or whatever and like found a skull right. yeah i mean obviously it has to be a remote area because that's how it goes undiscovered for three, for years. three years if she right. really has been there since like if she really did die on the same night as the rest of her family then like her body has been there for three years like that's why it's been sitting there for so long because it's remote and nobody goes there yeah right exactly yeah the other thing with padrini that doesn't really jive with me is like i I haven't seen anywhere that he had any other kind of connection to the family. Uh, yeah. Or the situation or anything. So he would have had right. to be like random stranger who wanders into cabins, <laughs> yeah. murders a bunch of people, kidnaps a 12 year old, dumps it in the woods. And then three years later is like, Hey guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, possible, possible, yes. possible but like, 
but not my favorite perhaps, suspect. Yeah, yeah not my... perhaps less likely. <laughs> um, the police do look into um, two known like serial killers, Henry Lee Lucas <laughs> and Otis Toole, who were both who were active at the time. There were serial killers uh, from the southeast that were convicted of particularly like savage murders. Hmm. Um, so they had been convicted in 1983, and as part of the investigation, the police start looking into this uh, right. connection here. And it is known that they had been in Northern California in 1980, like a few months before the murders happened. Hmm. Um, however, they were convicted uh, of a murder that happened in Jacksonville, Florida, on April 14th, like. <laughs> two days later right um and there is evidence to suggest that they hadn't gone back to california until may of 1981 so they they so they probably were not around yeah to commit these murders so they're the police write them off there's also another serial killer wandering around at the time (laughs) look it was america in the 80s there were serial killers everywhere (laughs) because they could get away with it no problem right so there's um the boxcar killer i don't know if you know i've heard that name but don't know that much about the robert robert joseph uh silveria i think is how you say it Hmm. but he was a homeless guy that traveled around uh on trains hence boxcar killer um (laughs) and he murdered people but he mostly murdered like people in homeless camps and like the right so um, but at some point he confesses to these murders, like he's hmm. in custody and he confesses to these murders and he was living in Quincy, which is the next town over that the boys went right, to the party, right. um, at the time of these murders. And so the police are like, awesome. And then they look into it and it turns out he was actually <laughs> in state custody, um, <laughs> for grand theft auto at the time of the murder. So, so definitely not him. Yeah. <laughs> damn so close guys so close (laughs) um so really like i know the police have other suspects in this case however Mm -hmm. it's an active case they have not disclosed who these suspects are so i i can't tell you about them i can't analyze the evidence against them i can't yeah i can only tell you general consensus is we need to talk about uh marilyn smart who is justin's mother the friend okay that was there And claims he may have maybe seen a murder by accident. <laughs> right. Um, Marilyn is friends with Sue. And mm-hmm. um, she, Marilyn was in like a reportedly very unhappy marriage. Like everybody in town kind of knew that hmm. they were having trouble. Yeah. And Sue had been kind of like counseling her through this situation. She's like, hey, right. my husband was also a dickwad and I left him. And maybe <laughs> you should do that. Um right. <laughs> So Marilyn tells the police that she believes her husband, Marty, and hmm. Marty is like house guest friend person, John <laughs> uh, Bobaday, which I hate that name so much, <laughs> but he went by Bo, Bo Bobaday. Okay. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> um, these two men had something to do with the murder. So huh. she says. So everybody turns up dead, and Marilyn is like, "You know who you definitely need to talk to? My husband and his BFF." Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, so she says that Marty hated Sue because right because she he felt that she was telling his wife to leave him. Yeah. Right. And Bo 
our good friend Bo, uh, had a crush on Sue, but she had, like, uh, rejected him. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's, like, Marilyn was like, listen. Yeah. I know how men folk work. <laughs> yeah. She also says on the night of the murder that she and Bo and Marty all went to a local bar. And hmm. they had invited Sue, but she was like, no, I'm good. There's, like, five kids at home, whatever. She's like, no, thanks. Right. So the three of them go to the bar, and they all leave around, like, 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. and go home. She goes to bed. And then, like, for whatever reason, the two guys are like, you know what? We're going back to the bar. What? Okay. Bye. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Witnesses who see them go to the bar the second time claim they come in wearing three-piece suits and sunglasses. Three-piece suits? Yes. Seems unlikely. <laughs> it seems suspicious is what it looks. <laughs> right. So they they come in wearing like fancy dapper clothing and their sunglasses and pick a very loud fight with the bartender because the music has changed. Like it had been country music and they switched over to some like rock music. And he's like, well, this is ridiculous and I hate you all. And this is stupid, like starts like a very public argument about this. Right. So the argument here is that they were trying to establish an alibi. Yeah. Being very approximately. okay. wait, they leave the bar at 11. Right. They go back. said? Yeah. Approximately what time do people say they see them again at the bar? Are we talking like... I don't know what time they say they arrive, but they... I don't... It doesn't say what time they arrive back at the bar. It just says that they stayed until the bar closed at about 1.30. Okay. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, And then Marilyn says she woke up around 2 a.m. and saw them burning something in the wood stove. Doesn't Hmm. know what it was. And they're like, it was wood... (laughs) they tell police they come they came home and immediately went to bed but then when they're called out on this they're like actually like wood we were burning wood in the wood stove and we like super went to bed burned some wood and then we went to bed yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) but Marilyn's story is enough so that the police are like i mean i guess we should question these guys right right that seems wise yeah so they bring them in for questioning together that seems less wise. Less wise. <laughs> Bad police work, as a matter of fact. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they interview them sitting literally right next to one another. Okay. This will go well. Yeah. Um, and that's the only time they bring them in for questioning. They actively lie, and they know they're lying during this interview, and they don't question right. them about any of the lies that they're mm-hmm. spewing. And they're okay. lying about things like... Um, Bo claims that he used to be a peace officer, which they know is bullshit. He's got a very long rap sheet. Um, and <laughs> like I say known, like it's not official, but everybody was pretty sure he was connected to the Chicago mafia, like the Chicago mob. Huh. So like, right. No, sir. You, you were not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> and Please I stopped lying. <laughs> and like Marty claims he's got terrible PTSD. But he didn't actually see any like he was a cook like over there <laughs> during the war. Right. So uh, but they don't call them on any of these lies. This is the only time they interview them huh. the end. And okay. uh, they're like, well, it clearly wasn't these boys. And that's like it. That's the whole <laughs> okay. investigation. Fantastic police work there. All right. right. <laughs> um, some interesting things that come out of that interview, however, Marty claims that he did have a hammer 
but it went missing a couple days ago. So like, nope, I don't even own a hammer. Couldn't possibly <laughs> be me. She's the most bizarre, like preemptive, like right. I no. I don't um, even own a hammer, and they're like. I literally borrowed your hammer two weeks ago. And he's like, no, I had a hammer. Right. <laughs> but see, it's gone now. Like, a couple of days ago, somebody, like, stole it. So I, I couldn't have been me. I don't have a hammer. <laughs> Maybe it was the murderer. You should look into that. Got it. go by. Right. Yeah. They also robbed me of my hammer. So, like, whoever did that, that's who you're looking right. for. <laughs> so he describes said missing hammer, which is like... I, I, as a human, own a hammer. It is in my toolkit. I don't know what it looks like. I've owned it for like 10 years. I don't, I could right, not describe yeah. my hammer to you. No. It's hammer shaped. I feel like it's hammer shaped. The end. The end. Yeah. Half of it, at least, is made of metal. metal. And the other half is made of handle? Something. I don't know. <laughs> it definitely has a handle. I tell you that. But he describes this hammer. And um, they're like, okay, whatever. So when the case is reopened, and it's opened, uh, I think it's reopened sometime around 2013, 2011. Like, there's a new sheriff in town, and he's like, we're reopening this case. <laughs> okay. Um, and a hammer was recovered in a pond near Ketty, and it matched the description of Marty's magically missing hammer. Um, <laughs> okay. It was found in 2016. So it's been in a pond for like 30 years, 35 years. Um, But uh, the Plumas County Sheriff, the new one, um, whose name is is Greg Hagwood, which I think is a fantastic name for a sheriff. It's a good name Um, for a sheriff, yeah. He's pretty sure this is the murder weapon. Hmm. Shrug. Like, that's all they've got. Like, clearly this hammer is the hammer. (laughs) I okay sure I don't know I mean sure it could be it could equally well not be I suppose but like right sure their argument is that the place it was found like nobody's going to accidentally drop a hammer where this was found like hmm right you would have to go out and chuck your hammer out into the pond and be like goodbye hammer and <laughs> it, it's I mean, not fine i don't find that super compelling because i don't like, either but that's it's the... been 35 years and somebody else for other reasons could have thrown away a hammer there but yes. like fine whatever yeah you know yeah. i mean maybe that's... it is the hammer maybe it's not who knows right. maybe it's marty's hammer maybe it's not nice with shrug right or somebody else who bought a similar hammer because it's a small town <laughs> right. in 1981 like <laughs> right how, how many types of hammers are yeah anyway <laughs> Um, the other interesting thing that comes out of that interview is Marty is talking about Justin being in the cabin during the murder. Hmm. And um, and he basically says, no, it's, it's incredibly likely he may have woken up. Um, and here's a quote from the interview. And he is quiet enough. He could have noticed something without me detecting him. <laughs> well done, Marty. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I feel like you just confessed to the murder. <laughs> but also police. <laughs> right. <laughs> he said this to the police and they're like, thanks, friends. That's an excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> right. Good point. Good point. We should question him again. 
Also, though, I feel like if Justin did wake up during the murder and come out and see two men and one of the men was his, his father, father. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would stick in your mind. Like you covered know? <laughs> in blood with three writhing bodies on the floor right. tied up in electrical cord. Like, right. I got to go. I really like physically and mentally. I gotta go. Like, yeah. No and way. I just feel like it wouldn't be. Like, I feel like I saw two men. Like I saw my father. You know, I don't know. It makes me. I feel it's. It's hard for me to believe that he would have gotten up and recognized his father and like forgot. I I don't know. <laughs> The whole thing seems very weird. I mean, it also, it depends on, I mean, think about it. If I, it's the middle of the night, I have woken up from being asleep for however long. I have wandered to my bedroom door. I look at that. I'm not staying long. No, definitely not. And I'm probably more focused on the bodies on the floor. Yeah. Personally, like from an assessing the situation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And then I'm like closing that door and I'm yeah. curled up in the fetal position. If it's me, I'm curled up in the fetal <laughs> position in the corner, rocking back and forth, waiting for them to leave. That's me. But definitely. But I then also don't say later, oh, I actually saw two guys and let me describe them to you because one of them was my father. And so if I'm describing them, that is what I say, you know, like unless yeah. I remember that it was my father and I'm like covering for him or something, you covering know, like or in the chaos, you don't really recognize that as your father, or your brain scrambles the information because it's too yeah. much. Like, it's too overwhelming. That happens. Because you just witnessed your father brutally murder three people? Yeah. Yeah. Like, for a 12-year-old, I can see kind of the psychic break that would happen to allow that. He's yeah. like, I had a dream that yeah. I was on a boat. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Yeah. Your brain is yeah. For sure. Some, for sure. Some gymnastics to deal with this. <laughs> But so there's that uh, lovely quote from Marty Smart. Also, <laughs> yeah. there's a there's a VA therapist who comes to the police and claims that Marty uh, during a session, like his seventh session with this guy, a couple weeks after these murders happened, hmm. um, confesses is like in a session and is like, I definitely, oh. for sure, uh, I murdered Sue and Tina. Like I did that. <laughs> I didn't, but he specifically says he didn't have anything to do with the boys. Like, that was not him. Now, oh, that was Bo. <laughs> um, he doesn't say who it was, but he says that was not. Well, yeah. That would not me. <laughs> What's weird about this, and obviously, I don't work for the police, so I don't have all of the information. The police at the time don't seem to follow up. They're like, hmm. whatever, this is hearsay. Right. Police. Which, again, interesting <laughs> choice. Like, interesting choice yeah. for police work there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, like, when the therapist is talking about it, it doesn't seem like he pressed him for any more information. Hmm. And I realize, yeah. like, if you're a therapist and you're listening to this, you're like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> And you're, like, right. taking notes and you're not interrogating them, clearly, because yeah. it's not productive. Yeah. But... And you're also thinking, I'm sure, or I would be, like, this guy is already murdered 
a minimum of two people and like right. don't want to add myself to his murder list. So like I'm just gonna sit here and listen. I'm not right. gonna you know, this and is not presumably my job. if he's doing that, if he's confessing to that, he's confessing under the you know, there there is doctor patient confidentiality, particularly in therapy. Right. And I think people forget that that doesn't include if you murder people. Like if, right. Yeah. If you are yeah. a threat to yourself or others, they are, in fact, allowed to go to other people with the information you've given them. But he may right. not have noticed. So you don't want to tip your hand at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And be like, oh, interesting. Tell me more so that I can tell so the exactly police. exactly <laughs> how and where did you dump Tina's body? Right. Yeah. Could you give me the coordinates? That would be great. Um <laughs> So, so, like, Marty kind of becomes the main suspect with his good friend Bo, who has a crime record and, in theory, and was with him that night and everything. Bo was already staying with Marty somewhere. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, other people will say that they think Marilyn was involved um, herself Hmm. and was trying to frame other people. The theory there is that. Um, Marty had had an affair with Sue and Marilyn like wanted revenge because there's this weird letter that is later discovered um, Hmm. that Marty yeah Yeah. that Marty wrote and they think it was after the murders happened but it's basically like I did exactly what you asked I paid for your love with four people's dead bodies like what more do you want from me so right that's a weird letter (laughs) yeah um, but then the question becomes like, is it because she actually was like, I need you to murder these people for me? Right. Or he, I, I mean, it's easily conceivable to me that he, like he thought up this on his own. Like, right, if like she we're said saying... whatever. And he was like, well, clearly I right. need to murder these people for you. And she was like, <laughs> right, sir, yeah. she was that like, is not at all not... what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Not what I said. <laughs> Radical reinterpretation of the text. That is a <laughs> yeah. bad, bad interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I have a question about the timeline with Marty sure. and Bo. So they leave the bar at like... Around 1.30 when it closes. 1.30. And... People who live, like, neighbors here screaming, like, also approximately around 1.30. Yes? Around 1.32-ish? Yes. Okay. And Marilyn says she sees them burning, <laughs> probably not wood, in the stove or when she wakes up around 2? Around 2. Okay. My That's question, a- then, is how long does it take to drive to the place where Tina's body was dumped? Because that... Like, fine. They leave the bar. They go and murder everybody. They come home and burn. Oh, I see what you're saying. Who knows? Evidence. Tina's, what, in the truck at that point? And then they leave and go dump her body? Because you said it's, what, 60 miles or something? Like, it's a drive to get there. And then they have to drive all the way back. Like, there's not time. If Marilyn really does wake up around two-ish and see them burning something, like, Tina's dead body is in their truck at that point. And I assume they leave so. Later, I, ass- I assume. Here's what I actually assume. I assume that Marilyn didn't really see this or doesn't place huh. it correctly. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sim- that seems simply because more likely. Yeah. I mean, there are some instances. She she at one point claims that she found a bloody jacket in the basement of their house and gave it to the police, and the police like lost it. I'm not. Huh. 
So what I have relayed to you is stuff that other people have corroborated. Like right, other people right. saw them at the bar. That actually yeah. happened. Um, yeah. People in town knew they were having marital problems. Mm-hmm. That's corroborated. She says a lot of stuff. So other than her, her like, I saw them burn some things. But I <laughs> yeah. don't know. I don't know what they would have been burning if like Tina's clothes and that kind of stuff are found with her. Like if they did it. Yeah. And they I mean, like, their own bloody clothes, maybe? Yeah, that's the go home change. And people people did claim that own. they never saw those suits again. Like saw them show up at this like yeah. rinky dink one horse <laughs> town bar in a fucking three piece suit and then never saw those suits again. So like Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean I would assume that they'd be burning like their own clothes because everything else I mean, as far as we can tell, anyway, like, seems to have been left at the scene, so. At the scene in a pond or with Right, except that missing hammer, yeah. Which is, like, they clean stuff, you know, you throw it in the truck, and then you realize it's, and you're like, oh, shit, I have a bloody hammer. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. Just chuck that out the window, yeah. Um, So, yeah, the only, um, like, update on this... 2018 um Hmm. our our friend uh sheriff hagwood um reported that they had done some dna testing on some of the uh, medical tape that had been recovered Mm. from the scene and they did in fact get a dna match of a living suspect huh which is interesting because in 2018 both Bo and marty were already dead oh okay intrigue I know, but I have no more. Nothing else has come up, which is right, fair. Nothing like, else has the been released. They're still, yeah, of course, of course. So maybe um, not Marty and Bo then, or maybe not just Marty and Bo. Right, maybe Marty and Bo and Company. at least one more person. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm desperately curious who these other suspects would be because again, like I, yeah, right? they haven't released it, so you don't know. So you're pulling together from. Yeah. Other sources. So uh, is there evidence that would suggest it may have been Marty and Bo? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. Um, but there's plenty of stuff that I find questionable enough that I would yeah. like to know who else yeah. is available the in the suspect pool. Are. Yeah, totally. Because what it looks like to me, like if it's Bo and like Marty and Bo and they went and got like rip shit drunk and then we're like (laughs) let's go hassle some people like i can see that but then the premeditation to put on three-piece suits to like Mm -hmm. cover your tracks preemptively yeah would suggest so maybe they had thought of it before and they were like well we'll take the girls to the bar yeah and we'll like do this but then sue didn't come out to the bar so they were like i have a new plan it's a better plan we gotta go over there yeah and they were it seems to me from all of this, like if I'm piecing a narrative together, that they went to either murder or simply sexually assault. I don't know mm-hmm. how that went down. Sue yeah. and the boys came home. Right. Right. Yeah. At that time. And then they were like, oh, crap. Now we got to do this, too. And like yeah. things just got out of hand. Yeah. Real yeah. fast. Yeah, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. from the amount of weaponry types of murdery deeds here like (laughs) these are not professional or practiced killers 
No. Um, <laughs> this seems to have been a fairly clear, like, oh, shit situation. Yeah. Right. Um, and so the thing with Tina. Yeah. The su- the Why suggest- take her, though? So the theory is that they took Tina to make it look like she was the target. That, like. Ah, right. They got caught trying to steal her. Right. Huh. I didn't see anything in the record to suggest that the police bought this theory. Um, right. Right. Yeah. But they didn't seem to buy much of anything the the first <laughs> go round. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, from what it looks like, yeah, it looks like Marty and Bo were at least involved badly. But yeah. They look that, like very solid suspects. For but sure. that could just be because... I don't have anyone else. Right. That's just the set of information yeah. that we have. Because, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, we're not talking about, like, reasonable people here, whoever did this. But, like. Right, for sure. That bitch told my wife to leave me. The leap from that to, like. Cold-blooded murder. Right. Like, that's a large leap. I and I can see it. I can see it. But I don't know. I don't know. Because, like, when you look into, like, domestic violence and women who are murdered, they're usually murdered by, by their partner, their partner yeah, or someone sure. they know. And it often is an ego thing. Oh, yeah. And for sure. Yeah. The murders get really gruesome and very personal. And, like, this is a personal thing. Like, to tie her up, gag her. And then you're like stabbing people and slitting their throat and beating them with a gun. Like you're there for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't seem to be like a quick execution. You know what I yeah, mean? Like no. it's not. No, no, no. This is like, yeah. And it doesn't Took seem some time. like it doesn't seem like they were there to steal anything or to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. It does seem like it was a very personal crime. It definitely is personal. Yeah. For sure. And I can see if it's like, that bitch told my wife to leave me. And the other guy's like, I mean, I totally tried to hit on her. And she told me to go fuck myself. And it's like, that bitch, that bitch. Like, that energy. We should go over there and teach her a lesson. And then it gets out of hand. Right. They didn't necessarily, perhaps, plan to brutally murder her and most of her family. But, like, yes, things have spiraled and whatnot yeah because if you also look at the murder weapons it's like it's a butcher knife that was already in the house a steak knife that was already in the house yeah they clearly like brought hammers (laughs) yeah grabbed whatever was at hand yeah like in the truck like if if it's the woods i like i have medical tape in my first aid kit that i take hiking right yeah yeah like they didn't bring rope they didn't bring Uh uh-huh they were yeah. like, what have we got in the truck? Got some medical tape and a hammer. Let's go. Like, yeah. And every single source said that the gun used was a BB gun, which is not like I don't bring a BB gun to a murder. <laughs> no, but I might have one in my truck. If in I my truck. In the middle of the woods. Yeah. Right. For sure. Like this for sure. is all. It seems very like improvisational jazz murder. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crime um, of opportunity. Definitely. Not right. like a planned, like thought out thing. Yeah, for sure. Right. So which would suggest like, I really liked the, the hitchhike scenario. Yeah. 
Totally, totally. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, yeah. Partly because it was only one person. Right. Um, and it was, you know, two teenage boys and a, <laughs> and a grown-ass woman. I mean, she was petite, yeah. but, you know. But still, so, yeah. Managing to tie up three people as one human simultaneously. It's a lot. A lot. Yeah. That's like a whole yeah. lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I just wish I had, I just wish I had a better sense of who other potential suspects are. Yeah. Well, hopefully they will be able to like tie somebody really conclusively to this DNA evidence and we'll be able to release some more details or hopefully make an arrest if this person is still alive. You know? Yeah, that would be great. But this is another one, like, last time we were like, oh, this is the first time we believe foul play was involved. Like, there's no question here. Like, somebody. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Somebody <laughs> straight up murdered these people. Yeah. Like, butchered three people in a cabin in the woods. I just, I, yeah. I find it fascinating. And maybe this is just because I, I've always been a very light sleeper and I've, I haven't slept well. So, I, like, I, I cannot imagine the Sleeping ruckus. through that. Yeah, I know. Like, you've got, at that point, you've got the three boys, you've got Tina. Uh-huh. You've got, so that's four, and then you've got the three people who are being murdered, plus <laughs> two or more people. You've got nine people in a small cabin. Yeah. <laughs> three of whom are being murdered, and at least two of whom are murdering. Like, <laughs> right. what? Yeah, and I'm sure no one in that moment is like, Shh, we need to keep our voices down in case we wake the boys. They're asleep, you know? Like, I'm right. sure that Sue is screaming and the boys are shouting and, you know, right. like, the, right. I'm sh- Stuff the is murderers being over. are you like, yeah. There's evidence that the, there's like stab marks on the wall, so they may have been like chasing, chasing people and trying them. to stab yeah. them. Like, yeah. this is bedlam. And you're <laughs> like, no neighbors. <laughs> Uh, no nothing like that is horrifying to me like especially like my neighbors are about like not the neighbors in the same building but the the house next door is probably about 15 feet away from me yeah and it feels very close it's extremely close and if standing there if they're having an argument in their kitchen (laughs) i can hear it yeah in my apartment like yeah. not even screaming, but just if they're like right. loudly, voices. yeah, I I <laughs> yeah. can hear it word for word. So like I <laughs> worry, I like genuinely worry that these people didn't hear anything. Yeah, it. I think of my father, who is like a very light sleeper. Like when we would come home when I like as a teenager, <laughs> I would like. Not even, like, his bedroom, like, their bedroom was on the opposite end of the house from the front door. And I would, like, touch the front door handle. Like, I haven't even moved the door handle. And he's awake. Like, he knows that I'm about to open the door. Like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I can't imagine sleeping through all of that. I Like I said, I can't imagine it for the the littlest boy, the five-year-old. Because, like, I have seen kids of that age, like, small children sleep and, like, Holy God, 
are they out? You know, like yeah. nothing is waking them up sometimes. So I can, I can kind of see that, but the older ones. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't get, and also like, there's at least 28 cabins. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> not one of those people is up at 1am to see apparently not a yeah. car pull out or to yeah. hear people talking or doors mm-hmm. opening and shutting on it. Like, yeah, I come from a small town and like not even this. I think it was 90. The census there was like 96 people were living in Keddie at the time. <laughs> oh, God. OK. Yeah. And they're all in this little like subdivision of cabins. Like mm-hmm. you guys, they knew each other's business. They knew all of each other's business. <laughs> right. Because it's 1981. Again, can hear conversations. <laughs> you can hear conversations. From the other south. There's no Netflix. There's right. no... You know what I mean? Like, There's nothing else to do. Yeah. Gossip, as we've said before, like, was the social <laughs> media of the day. Like, Right. So I, you know, growing up in a small town, it's like people are like, mm, I saw somebody leaving their house at like 2 a.m. Or like I saw, you know, yes, like absolutely. everybody's seen everything. And like the notion that like 27 other cabins yeah minimum 27 i don't know how many there are total but like a minimum of 27 other cabins the most you get is like a couple who's like i think i heard something and then i went (laughs) back to sleep like that's bananas to me and so there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of places that will suggest that there was a huge police cover-up that like everybody knows who did it but nobody is and i don't I don't find that convincing. I mean, police incompetence. Yes. Certainly. But like, (laughs) like definitely some things they should have followed up on and like should not have interviewed the two of them together. But like. Correct. Police cover up. No, I'm not willing to. And I don't think I I know. And like we've talked about this murder before. And I think there's a new like miniseries on HBO or something like documentary about that. Um that murder in the small town where the guy was like murdered in the middle of the day. Oh yeah. yeah, Like in plain sight. And (laughs) And everyone was like shrugged, didn't see anything. Everybody's like, I'm just going to casually moonwalk away. I saw nothing. (laughs) Bye. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's one of those situations because I did like, it's not like Sue was so hated by everyone in town that they would be like, for sure, let's kill this bitch. Like it's not, (laughs) Yeah, it's not that. It doesn't seem to be one of those. So I think it's, I mean, I think whoever committed this murder stumbled into some super blind, dumb luck here to not get caught. Um, yeah. And and that's about it. Like, I, I mean, also, like, if it's not Marty and Bo. Right, then who is it? Well, not just who is it, but also if you think there's like the three kids. So if one of them woke up and they saw that those kids woke up and there was blood on the door handle to that bedroom. Hmm. Right. Like on the outside doorknob. So like if they go if they if they're gonna go ahead and murder, I don't know, everyone and they murder <laughs> Tina and they you know, they've already murdered a twelve year old. They clearly have no problem murdering children. Like why would they leave yeah. those three kids? Yeah. There, especially if they or they went to the door. I don't know if they opened it and saw three kids asleep and were like, right. JK, and like shut it or <laughs> we're all it, good here. <laughs> or if Justin opened the door, they saw that he'd opened the door and uh-huh. they went and shut it. Like, I don't know what that situation yeah, is, yeah. but I don't know why they would leave those three kids. Yeah, why they would not kill them since we're already killing everybody like, else. We're yeah. already committed here. We've already murdered four people. 
Um, and I mean, Justin is Marty's son. So like I can see being like, maybe not that room. Like, right. We'll just let's let just that go. Leave them there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. The whole thing is just so strange. It's the, the fact that no one has been arrested for this is like, yeah. mind-boggling to me with the amount of yeah. evidence left like the number of bodies how close mm-hmm. the neighbors are the fact that there's three witnesses alive in the right. house like right yeah what? <laughs> and i know like dna testing not so much a thing at the time so like they would still be no but things like it. trace evidence at least you know there like... was one unidentifiable like fingerprint i don't know which finger but fingerprint found on the in on the railing to the back door Hmm. right um since they didn't arrest marty and Bo for this they didn't fingerprint does not so they right right they wouldn't have checked that but it doesn't belong to anyone living in the house or like hmm jamie seabolt who came over to check to see if Mm -hmm. there was anyone else in the house it doesn't belong to anybody that they know yeah. of. So well, Bo, a... you said, had a record. Yes. So his yes. fingerprints would have been in the system. What about Marty? In theory, Marty does not seem to have a record from what I saw. Okay. So presumably it did not match Bo, Bo. Because presumably, again, they would have run it. And like that would have come up as a match if he had been arrested previously. Right. So I assume it did not match him, at least. But yeah could have matched marty unclear we're we're making some serious assumptions because like right right if they interviewed them together and were like clearly it's not these boys i don't know if their mother (laughs) would have bothered to check you know what i mean so like the people who reopened the case would have to go back and check yeah Yeah. and i don't know how good yeah and it's possible if it especially if it was only a partial like it's possible it's just not enough to get a match you know right yeah. But yeah, I just, it's astonishing to me because <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Like my favorite example of living in a small town of all time <laughs> is I get a message on Facebook from my oldest brother who was living in Virginia at the time that my parents are in the <laughs> ER. What? <laughs> parents were up in Vermont. So he heard from their neighbor who who'd heard on the police scanner <laughs> that the ambulance had been dispatched to my parents' address. <laughs> that information traveled to me living in Philadelphia faster than they got to the emergency room. <laughs> and traveled to you via Virginia. <laughs> right. Like it made it to the neighbor who then contacted my brother for reasons nobody understands who then contacted me and I was like well this is all nonsense so like let me call the hospital and they hadn't even made it to the hospital yet so like nice small towns I mean I realize information didn't travel as fast at the time but I'm saying right yeah yeah like police scanners are a form of entertainment in small towns Mm -hmm. to this day so in in like 81 I can't even yeah I can't even imagine (laughs) crazy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, funny so yeah so let's you know everybody keep an eye out 
Um, yeah, the case hopefully is... there will be updates in the near future. The case is still open, so if you have any information on it that you just haven't <laughs> felt the need to share in the 35 years, um, Plumas County in California, they're, they're taking all calls. Um, yeah. And, we'll, and if we'll, we hear updates, we, we will, will let you know. Share them. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for listening. And if you like the podcast, it would make us really happy if you would rate and review us. Um, you can always find us on Twitter at In The End Podcast, or you can email us at In The End Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll be back in two weeks. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah, listen, you would have to tie me to a chair <laughs> and, like, physically tape my eyes open to make me watch. You would have to that... clockwork orange this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to make me watch that five-hour saga of torture porn and man pain.